0: Hi, I'm Lowell. I'm Aiden. I'm David. And I'm Rafi. And this is I Read the News Today. Uh, Oh, boy. We are not journalists. Pundits. Or cheesemakers. But we do read the news. And we're here to talk about the shit that's going on. Today is May the 25th, 2020. And with us this week is Rafi. Rafi, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself? Sure, I am
1: a filmmaker, and I'm from New York City, born and raised. Went to college with
0: these lovely gentlemen, and uh, currently bored
1: in the house and in the house board.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As are we all. So, Aiden, would you like to tell us a bit about what we're talking about this week?
2: Yeah, so we're gonna be discussing the selection of Joe Biden's running mate, with the assumption being that. Joe Biden will be the Democratic nominee for president in 2020.
0: Yeah. Democratic Party nominee. We have some information that has been coming out over the past week or two about the vetting process for Biden's campaign. His campaign has not really announced anyone that they're vetting, but the people who are being vetted have liked to talk about their status, including Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth, New Mexico Governor Michelle Luan Grisham, who is a former House member as well, Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, who was elected in 2018 and has recently been in the news a lot talking about the lack of supplies and lack of leadership by the federal government over coronavirus. Representative Val Demings, a former Orlando police chief. She was also one of the impeachment managers during Trump's impeachment trial. Senator Maggie Hassan, who also served as governor and is being vetted, according to New Hampshire radio station WMUR. And the latest name to emerge is Senator Amy Klobuchar who was, of course, a former 2020 presidential candidate. Why do you call her the latest name to emerge? According to Forbes, updated on the 22nd that she was the latest name to emerge among those.
2: Oh, okay. I, I might have just been reading into your wording of that, but I've heard her name from months. Yeah, I have too. Oh, uh, well. yeah, people okay. have been talking uh, about of course. It. This is just a, a but, confirmation that she's actually,
3: that there are meetings set and there are motions in place to... Begin
2: the actual betting. Okay, so that that's that's more than just pundits um, Mm -hmm. speculating that she might be a good pick.
3: Yeah, and I think it's really important. And I think it's really important as we continue this discussion to remember these names, because, you know, at the end of the day, these are the people who, you know, the rubber is beginning to meet the road for them whether or okay. not they're well, actually
0: the pick. I would like to clarify that these are the people who have publicly announced that they have been vetted. But that does not mean that they are all of the people who are currently being vetted. It is very possible that, that some of the people who are being vetted are being more quiet about it. Okay, fair enough. Because, I mean, traditionally, people don't really announce that they're being vetted because it can look bad if you're being vetted and not, and not picked. Yeah. So I would say some of the bigger names, such as Elizabeth Warren and Kamala Harris, have not said anything about whether or not they're being vetted. But I think that there's more at stake for them if, if they announce and don't get it.
3: Yeah. Right. And, and, look at the, and look at the people who are announcing right now. I mean, I think the reason that people have been focusing on Klobuchar the last few days has just been because, you know, she's the biggest name to announce so far. There are some very important people on that list and people who have been minor national figures at some point or another. But There are, by and large, people who, in order to get more public support for them to be in that position, need to create a little momentum for themselves. And I think that's why these are people who have allowed this information to drop.
0: So I think that it is very important to talk about, before we get into anything else, the fact that This is the first time in the country's history that there are only women being considered for this role for vice president.
3: Didn't Mitt Romney have a binder? Well, uh, (laughs)
0: binders binders. for women. That was
3: (laughs)
2: for his cabinet, I believe, right? Yeah, that referred to something. I think that was positions that he was appointing as governor of Massachusetts. I think that was. Mm. I'm going to nitpick a little bit with the way you worded that. Sure. This is, to my knowledge, the first time that the presumptive nominee has pledged pledged to pick a woman.
0: Yes. And and I was gonna get to the fact that that is because Joe Biden decided in March to announce that he was going to pick a female VP no matter what. So that is why we're in quite a unique position. Mm -hmm. There have only been two other major vice presidential pick who were women. Of course neither has won, so this would be the first female vice president. Before we get to that I wanted to know everyone's thoughts on who they think of this list. The Biden campaign should go with and why. For that, I, I'd love to start with you, Rafe. We've talked a little bit about your your thinking on it.
1: Well, just for clarity, I think we've talked about my thinking internally between us. Yeah, I don't think we've talked at all for everyone to hear. But for me, it, it can't be a middle aged white woman. It can't be a white woman at all, in my opinion. Biden mm-hmm. is the, you know, he's the elderly white man. He is the quintessential example of American politics right now. The choice for VP, A, he got he got the first step right. It has to be a woman. And the second step, it has to be a non-white woman. And then the third step, she has to pull votes. Mm-hmm. As we stated earlier, that Amy Klobuchar is now in the running. And David, you pointed out that she is the most, I forget the word you used, but she's the most acclaimed member of this group so far. I would say that, I don't know if they've announced her so far, but Kamala Harris would give a serious run for the money of seriously acclaimed people who would be in the running for this position as senator from California. Mm-hmm. And I think that she would inspire many more and pull tremendously more votes than Amy Klobuchar would. So would Stacey Abrams for that matter. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this internally before, but I think just starting off with those two names, people know names that people can get behind, um, that would off the bat do a lot more than having an Amy Klobuchar type. And I love Elizabeth Warren. I love her to bits and pieces, but she's not going to pull votes that Biden's not going to pull, in my opinion, at least.
3: Hmm. So when you're saying pull votes, are you looking for your VP to support the base of the party or to be reaching out to bring in votes from people who are more moderate or independent?
1: I don't even think that. I think it's people who aren't voting. Mm -hmm. I think 2016 was the, the worst voter turnout we've ever had. And correct me if I'm wrong, Hillary Clinton's choice for VP was atrocious, in my opinion. And I'm curious to know what you guys think, because I was hoping she would choose someone even the slightest bit inspiring. I could not care at all about her choice for VP.
2: I would be kind of interested in running an experiment of who could name off the top of their head. Tim Kaine. Tim okay. Kaine, okay. I remember. He's he's America's right. uncle. Senator from Virginia.
1: Virginia. Definitely not my uncle, let me tell you. He wears <laughs> way too many ties. Doesn't make inappropriate enough comments. <laughs> but
2: he spoke Spanish. He spoke Spanish sometimes. <laughs> I think, honestly,
3: the, if you recall, the discussion in 2016 was the blue wall. And the whole idea that as long as the key states for the Democrats would hold, and that all we need to do is play in the states that are harder to reach. Tim Kaine did what he was supposed to do. I disagree with that. We lost key states. We lost Pennsylvania. But no, no, no. But 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 here's the thing. He did what he was supposed to do, which is win Virginia. That's all he was there for. And that's the issue. That's why he was not a good choice. And that is a useless VP. Clinton lost the blue wall. She lost the states that she was supposed to get. Right. My point being, he was a poor choice not because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. He did what he was supposed to do. But it was
2: the poor choice for the moment
3: because that's not what the campaign
2: needs. Couldn't you say that he didn't do what he was supposed to do because what he was supposed to do is be vice president and he's not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice job. (laughs)
3: Yeah. (laughs) I would say just based on the... I mean, David, you opened up with he was supposed to help fortify the blue wall. That blue wall crumbled. But that wasn't my argument. I was saying that he was chosen because the assumption was the blue wall would hold. They were assuming they would win and I don't think going into this election, we can assume we're winning this. Sure. So, and that's, we just, so what I'm saying is, I think he was a poor choice because they weren't looking for someone to pull in votes. They weren't looking for someone to fortify the blue wall. What they were looking for was to win one state, which they thought would give them a a big advantage. And that was poor math. A lot worse than poor math. Well, exactly right. And so I think this time, Mm -hmm. obviously, I think we need to do a little more, put a little more thought and effort and care into the selection of this position. Well so you, back to your original
1: question then do you want to pull independents or moderates? I think that the two people I named are going to pull incredibly left-leaning people that mm-hmm. are not inspired by Biden and people who are not inspired to vote for him right now. Yeah. I think that they I think that either of those two candidates potential candidates that I named would pull our demographic. Would pull Millennials would pull the first age demographic of people who can vote in this election. The only person who is white that I think could do this would be Elizabeth Warren, but we don't need another white person in politics.
2: Well, it's too late for that; she already is. <laughs> well, Rafi, you you also said something earlier that I think is important in this pick, and what you said is, "What votes do we want to pull?" And you said what I think is correct: we need to pull the votes of people who typically don't vote. Yeah. That is something that the two people that you mentioned, Stacey Abrams and Kamala Harris, would be better at doing than perhaps anyone else on this list. My belief. I would maybe rank Elizabeth Warren in that tier as well, but I, I, it's that's not as clear to me as it is with Kamala Harris and Stacey Abrams. In looking in this list, and
3: I think it's actually kind of important that those two people, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, and frankly also, Aiden, you mentioned Stacey Abrams, are not on this shortlist. From that Forbes list that Lowell read at the, at the very top, I notice, and I've you know, seen other people notice too, a lot of these people won in 2018 and helped the Democrats take back the House and take some more governor mansions. And those are, by and large, more moderately leaning Midwestern women. And I think that's just an interesting thing to notice. And I think a thing that we need, and I, I, I think that is at least a driving. I think that is a thing that the Biden camp is looking at.
2: Yeah, and I think that is, and I think that's the big reason why Amy Klobuchar is so high on a lot of lists is because yeah, she is, ugh. she's seen as someone who could help shore up the Midwestern vote, which is that blue wall which I, crumbled in 2016.
0: Yeah, I personally would prefer a vice presidential pick like Rafi, you were saying. And I think that is a better strategy. But I I know that when you look back at the data from 2016 and you see where Democrats lost that they didn't expect to, I think that that's why a lot of these people are on this list because they're from states where Democrats lost in 2016, but won in 2018. Again, I, I think that you end up really creating even more division within your own party by choosing someone who does not represent, choosing two people who don't represent a lot of the voices within the party. If you're, if we already have a lot of division and that's already very dangerous going into this election and just the, the choice of Joe Biden was in a lot of ways divisive, but the question is, can we afford to continue to alienate a lot of the party? Which, who are we alienating right now? In sorry, just to
1: backtrack, who are we alienating with these picks?
0: Well, I'm saying that if a Amy Klobuchar, who I've been saying from day one was running for vice president because of the way that she was running her campaign, if Biden goes with an Amy Klobuchar, then you really have a lot of representation from the moderate sector of the Democratic Party, but you don't have really any representation from the progressive movement, which Correct. has been very vocal. And I think that's far more dangerous than losing a a Michigan or losing a, a place in, in the Midwest. You might win the presidency, but you wouldn't really have the support of most of your Democratic base. And that seems dangerous. Well, what's
1: more important, winning the presidency or... Do you want to I guess the question needs to be asked then. Do you want to win the game or do you want to win the World Series? I
0: mean, I think that it's more important right now to win the presidency. But I agree. The question is, which is the better choice? I really don't know. Whoever wins the presidency is the
1: better choice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's hard to know that right now. Of course.
1: I mean, I've been talking to friends who are incredibly discouraged with the Biden pick and would have head over heels preferred Bernie. But and they're saying, oh, I might not vote because I hate Biden they're missing the bigger picture here in my opinion and that anything to Absolutely. win the presidency is what's important right now and you can understand yeah. that we're not getting the candidate that we want and understand at the same time that we have a bigger obligation to fulfill and a bigger picture that needs to be seen if we can get a democrat into yeah. the into the white house then we can start to attack the things that need to be attacked until then our hands are tied behind our backs and horrible atrocious things are happening you have to believe that Biden will not be golfing with 100,000 American deaths on their
0: hands. Absolutely. And to transition from what the best choice is, doing research about these candidates, I looked at the two other female VP candidates that we've had. And of course, there was Sarah Palin in 2008. But before that was 1984. Walter Mondale's pick was Geraldine Ferraro. And The impetus for Geraldine Ferraro to be the pick seems very similar to now. A New York Times article from 1984 talked about Ferraro as being an excellent choice. She was a lawyer and representative in Congress. And a lot of the reason why she was chosen was to create a sense of diversity within the pick. Mondale was, of course, going up against Ronald Reagan and then Vice President George H.W. Bush. And Mr. Mondale said, she's a woman, she's ethnic, she's Catholic. We have broken the barrier. She will energize not just women, but a lot of men who have fallen away from the Democrats. And so I feel like that choice was very similar to why Joe Biden is choosing to pick a woman. To create a sense of diversity and to show a difference from his opponent. The question is, will it backfire the way it did with Walter Mondale, who ended up losing 49 states? And that's my concern.
2: That is one thing I I'd like to spend a little uh, just just a second on is. I, I think it may have been a miscalculation for Biden to state publicly that he's going to pick a woman. Why? That opens up the idea that he's not picking the best person for the job. He's picking someone to fill a quota.
1: That's a very good point. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that's not th- that. That isn't something that I care about, but that's something that a lot of voters do care about is the, the potential that he is picking the right. The best person But that he's just doing something to something that's a an example of social activism and trying to make history rather than picking the the best person for the job. And if I had been involved in picking Trump's vice president in 2016, I would have said it absolutely has to be a woman. And that's not the way that they went and they still won. But then again, I yeah, that that's a very different demographic. It is a very different demographic, but the the Republican Party with the pick of Mike Pence wasn't so much worried about picking off other voters. I'm not sure. I'm not sure of the math that went into picking Mike Pence, but it worked.
1: It it did. No one wanted to be his VP, if you recall. Remember, he said to John Kasich, you can essentially run the country. I just want you know, to win the presidency in case was like, I'm not going anywhere near you.
0: Yeah. I think that the math that ended up working with Mike Pence was that although all evidence to the contrary of Trump being the pick for the religious right, Mike Pence really solidified that he was. And and that was a lot of votes for for a Republican. Yeah. So the uh, the lesson of Trump's pick is that
3: he played to the base and it worked for him. Yeah. Though I do think we should be very cautious when taking Trump. As our bellwether. Measuring stick? (laughs) Right. Yes. I agree.
2: Well, but I think there is something I think there is something you can take out of that pick. And it's that it if the lesson we're taking is that Mike Pence shored up the religious vote that was a glaring weakness for Trump, then the the lesson to take from that is Biden's vice president should shore up a glaring weakness with him. Which is which would be progressives. I agree. It could be progressives. It could also be that he's not a woman. It could be that he's a white man. You can't really avoid that. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> Yes. They they couldn't really avoid the fact that Trump is the least godly person to ever run for president. Yeah. They uh, still. That's not
3: that. That is not true. That is. Uh, I, I am looking right here at Vermin Supreme's
2: platform on on a, <laughs> on a major party.
3: <laughs> he's <laughs> running as a libertarian. He, is, he is running for libertarian. I would not they are count not that a as a major, major party.
2: party. Uh his <laughs> no.
3: running mate is Spike Cohen, and as part of his platform, he is lobbying to go back in time and kill baby Woodrow Wilson, which will make the killing of Baby <laughs> Hitler unnecessary. But he does he does claim <laughs> if he is able to figure that out, he would like to kill baby Hitler as well. I think
1: that's worth noting. Okay. That's that's worth I feel noting. I like we've now ventured into like dangerous YouTube. Yeah. I'm curious who you guys like. I'm I feel like I'm the one who's answered.
0: Uh, that's fair. Just, I would say spit your answer out. And go. I personally, well, I believe it's going to be Amy Klobuchar. But that's partially because of my, my own pitch did not go well. <laughs> Self hatred, but 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 I would I would love it to be Stacey Abrams. That that's my ideal.
2: Okay, then if that's if that's the case, then I'd like to spend a little bit of time on Stacey Abrams because I
0: don't think she's a joke. My pitch is going
2: horribly right now. (laughs) No, your pitch is your pitch is going good, Rafi, in that gun to my head. My pick is Kamala Harris. But I have I have serious, serious concerns about Stacey Abrams. Okay. we've discussed these and I'd love for you to
1: kind of go on about it, because I do. I took what you said very, very much to heart. A lot
2: of my concern with Stacey Abrams is that she is lack of experience. Like if she if she had won the race for Georgia governor, then I would have said
0: that. Yeah,
2: I would have I would say to the Biden campaign that one candidate that Stacey Abrams is there's nothing glaring in her past. That's the pick. Mm -hmm. But she didn't win. Yeah. That race, and I think she is someone yeah. that the the Republican Party's propaganda machine is going to have a very easy time have a field day with her, turning exactly. people
3: against. Yeah. yeah. So
2: that's actually the reason
3: for me why, gun to my head, I actually think Tammy Duckworth is a stronger choice mm. than oh, even God. Kamala Harris. Not, not my maybe not my not my personal first choice, but. Someone who I think fills those demographics. She's not progressive, but there's A, enough progressives who are willing to work with her. And B, while she has a semi-national footing, she has time to kind of reassess and change her image.
1: That doesn't happen in politics.
3: You'd be, I don't know if that's 100%
1: true. Biden was accused of something in the 90s and is trying to fix it now. You don't fix your image. Come on. Like these images don't change once someone's but, made up your mind about you politically.
3: But that's the thing; I, people have not made up their mind about. I do not. I do not think that if you pick up, you know, any random, you know, American, and you ask them, "Hey, what's your political opinion of Tammy Duckworth?" I think it's eh. I think people think eh. The average person. I think most. I think most people don't know her. And I think that
2: is potentially a strength. Hmm. Well, but then you run into the issue of and I'm not saying that this is who Tammy Duckworth is, but almost nobody knew who Sarah Palin was when very true. She was picked and she turned out to be an absolute disaster. And I don't that's a mild way of putting it. (laughs) I don't think that (laughs) I don't think that that will be the case for Tammy Duckworth, but there are definite drawbacks to picking someone who people don't know.
3: No, and I think that's totally fair. The thing that gives me pause about Kamala Harris and also Elizabeth Warren, frankly, too, I would be concerned if he picked a senator from a coast, from a, you know, one of the coastal cities. Yeah, that's fair. Number one. Number two, frankly, I'm frank. I, you know, while though I did say, you know, I do think Tammy Duckworth is or would be the right choice, I'm concerned about choosing a senator at all because the 2020 Senate map is favorable for Democrats. And I kind of think... As a party, it's important to be pounding on those strengths. Yeah. It would be devastating. To lose, we need to pick up three to four seats to get a majority in the House. And I think, it's you know, uh, the Republicans are on the back foot. They have to defend 23 seats in the Senate. Dig it. Um,
2: that's a lot. But Democrats have a fair amount of weak seats up. Yeah, the the, Demo- the Democrats are defending a... The, the Democrats there there aren't a ton of pickup opportunities for the Republicans, but one of them is Doug Jones, who's a Democrat who represents Alabama. So that's a I, huge pickup mm, opportunity. Who
3: and he frankly yeah. basically only won because of because his opponent was Roy Moore, but he pedophile. <laughs>
2: And I do I do want to just mention for a second a thing about Doug Jones. Oh, gosh. His likely Republican opponent is going to be Tommy Tuberville, who is the former head coach of the Auburn football team.
1: Yeah, that we're going to lose.
2: Well, (laughs) But here's here's the thing, Rafi. I've read articles. There are fans of Alabama's football team that won't vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> Got to love college football. It's funny you say that, too. It's it's also
3: apparently I believe he was the more, quote unquote, moderate of the Republicans running. And I believe that that was a very contentious Republican runoff. The runoff is in July. The runoff. Right. So it's so so it's a fairly contentious race. So supposedly the Joneses camp is cautiously optimistic. But last I've heard, the Democrats aren't, the Democratic Party is not yet willing to start to claim that they're going to defend him right now.
0: Yeah.
2: And it'd be, it'd be shocking if they would.
0: Well, we do have to move on from this topic.
2: We did get a little deep in the weeds of Alabama <laughs> politics while talking about the vice presidential pick. So <laughs> we did. It's probably good to shift topics.
0: But uh, luckily for us, thanks to a an article from fellow Wayland's former town resident Nathaniel Rakich, we can assume that we won't actually know anything about who this pick is until. Uh, well into July, if not August, seeing as the past 15 or so picks, only a couple of them have been picked more than 20 days before the convention. And most of them are three or four days before the convention. So there's still going to be a bit of time for this to gestate. Wow. Excellent. So although this is very much in the news now, we, we might not have an answer for a while. But anyway, I think with that, it's time for us to take a little break. We'll be back in a moment.
3: Just out of curiosity, what do we take a break for?
0: We, will. it's just, it's just like a a nice little cut in the middle where I can put the, our midsection where we say, you know, you can follow us on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you to our sponsors.
3: Buy an ad. Newsoboy at gmail.com.
0: Facebook.com slash Newsoboy. Thank you so much for listening. You know the rest. And we're back. Thank you so much for staying with us. We are now going to be going to a weird article, or as Rafi likes to say it, Russian roulette of different links that he can click and doesn't know what they lead him to. Yeah, so no Rafi, one let's told uh, me about
1: this. I just <laughs> see the, the spreadsheet for the, or the document for this podcast. And I'm like, Oh, these, I can't read these. And then I find out Lord knows what's on the other end of these links that I can't see. And I'm just supposed to click them and pray to God. It's something that's not like meat spin on the other end.
2: Well, Lowell, <laughs> you put this together, right?
1: Yes. Aiden, you had one of these links, which means it could be something absolutely terrifying.
0: And Aiden could have changed any of these links at any time. But I'm going to have you click the yellow link under weird articles. Who being who? Oh,
2: this is from the New York Times. Oh, God. Paper hey, of record. Uh, Rafi, I think this. Is, I think it's only fair for Rafi to be the one who reads this. You know how I feel about rats. You know how I feel about rats. You know how I, I feel about rats. I didn't know how rats. you
0: felt like... Ri- I didn't, so we will not do that I one. am terribly you know sorry. <laughs> oh,
3: that, that, that is my bad. I did not know. That was my article. <laughs> so uh, never mind. <laughs> we can do another
1: one. Lord have mercy. CDC warns of aggressive rats searching for food during the shutdowns. Have you guys seen that kittens and puppies have been showing up at shelters and vets offices with limbs eaten off by hungry rats in New York City?
3: What? Well, so that's ki- I have not. So wait, so wait, so that's kind of the thing. So I brought this article in and
2: well, you're the devil.
3: Pretty much. Yes. But do you remember at the beginning of this whole pandemic and there were those memes going around that were like, hey, you know what? Maybe we were the virus. And there were all those fake articles about like uh, the dolphins appearing in the uh, Venetian canals and all this other environmental stuff that the National Geographic would, uh, you know. Uh, by about the beginning of April was like, hey, we got to cool it with these articles. A lot of them are kind of like either fake or based on some shoddy science. The image of
1: this front page is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh,
3: absolutely. Uh,
1: (laughs) I'm so sorry.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, here's something that's kind of on the other side of that. Here is an animal, a species of thing that is kind of going into shock and withdrawal because humans are not good out and about in the world. Well, is it though? Because here's the thing. Because so the whole thrust of this article, basically saying that the CDC is issuing warnings that rats are exhibiting aggressive behaviors and are basically spreading out further because of all the shutdowns. So basically, rats who live in largely large urban centers feed largely on trash and especially on the trash of restaurants and food centers, what have you. Because a lot of these supply lines, a lot of these things have all been shut down, these rats are starving and starting to explore and seek out other options for food. So they've been uh, there've been a ton of rat sightings all around uh, uh, New York and Chicago. I've been seeing rats in all sorts of crazy places, and they're starting to live in people's cars. Uh, supposedly in New Orleans, rats can be seen in the evening, like taking over the streets. Since there's so few people out. I'm gonna throw up. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. Should we should we do should we, should
1: we do a different article? Let's just wrap this shit up quick. Yeah. Got, why linger?
3: Well, here's the thing. So I <laughs> I brought this in because it has the most terrif to me the most terrifying sentence I've read in the New York Times. The New York Times tells us that while rats are exhibiting ag- aggressive behavior right now, not to worry, it likely won't last very long. And to quote, "Once the restaurants reopen, the rats will return to their reliable food sources." Which maybe isn't so shocking on first glance, but holy hell. It's s- referring to trash on the yes, street. Yes, but still sit with that for just a moment. That to me is the part that really makes you sit down, think and wonder. Like, Holy moly, what are we getting ourselves back into? Um, so look at for That's not rats. the part that
1: made me sit down and wonder. The part that made me sit down and wonder was that they are going to war with each other. That it says in this article that I was <laughs> glancing at while you were talking that the rats are going to war with each other and have resorted to cannibalism.
3: Ah, I'm so glad you read this. Yes. Oh yeah. And uh and in fighting. Uh rats so rats are and another quote from the article is that rats are basically they talk to somebody who has the fantastic title. He is an urban rodentologist, a Dr. Bobby Corrigan. I used to think that glory
1: hole attendant would be my least desirable job. Urban rodentologist is definitely now up there.
3: I, that is so cool. I think that's an amazing title and he describes Witch. the glory hole attendant to urban rodentologist urban rodentologist <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm, I'm big on this rodentologist baby
2: good lord how do you feel about glory hole attendant <laughs> David Uh, I don't know could take your leave <laughs> okay well let's see
3: Mike Rowe do that dirty job and then we'll talk are we done with this you're gonna die <laughs> all this to say we is there, there can, uh, they, he describes he describes these rats as ultimate survivors Meaning that, you know, they will eat themselves or, you know, occasionally each other to uh, to get through it. And all this to say, if the rats can get through this pandemic, we can
2: too. All right. Mm. Well, just just think about what would have happened if Aaron Ralston didn't have that knife. (laughs) (laughs) What?
3: (laughs) Who? I'm
2: going to hang on. The hiker that got trapped under the rock. I'm implying that he would have eaten his own arm off if he didn't have a knife. Got it. Yeah. i'm also
3: sort
1: of implying
2: yeah. that he's a rat
0: sounds like we're staying on topic here we never do clearly it would be a first if we did apparently. so do we want to do another uh weird article we, we can do another really quick one uh this is this is a follow-up to our our once a season special monkey watch
2: oh god all right well then Go you're forward. you're you're
0: reading this one Sounds great. New England town alerts public about monkey on the loose in Tewksbury, Massachusetts. How there we're in the middle of a, apparent,
3: we're in the middle of a pandemic. How do you how do you get and lose a monkey?
0: Is that where you're from, Lowell? Uh, it's a very good question. What? Yeah, are you from Tewksbury? No, I'm not from Tewksbury. Oh. Uh, Tewksbury is in northern Massachusetts. If I'm correct, I haven't been there much. Did you know
2: Massachusetts really there, had a
0: north? Th- kind of just hasn't exists.
2: I thought it was Uh, Boston. Oh wait, no, no. no, I thought it was Boston and West.
3: Uh, Do you know? Oh, do you know? Do you know where Tewksbury is? Because I can tell you exactly where Tewksbury is. Okay. Are you from Jersey? You sound very passionate about this town. I am, but I can tell you right now that it's to the east of Lowell.
0: It's yes, it is just east of Lowell. That is
3: true. (laughs) I'm passionate about the town it's next to.
0: Yes, it is constantly just to my east. And so this this monkey somehow is is on the loose hanging around near the hospital which is even more uh maybe threatening at during uh during coronavirus but also they they're saying do not touch the monkey because monkeys can sometimes have AIDS. herpes B virus which can be fatal to humans probably not a thing that you want but on the other hand this I'm not sure if we have a good idea of what kind of monkey it is because the pictures of it are very generally very blurry Uh, police have been using atvs and drone units to try and locate the the animal but have not been able to find it i'm inspired with confidence (laughs) as one should be and animal control has set up cameras and traps in the area to identify the animal and relocate it to a safe location so my question on this article is what would your guys favorite animal be to have on the loose hippo well, I know. I know what Rafy's answer isn't. It's not rats. I, we know that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Hippo is a good one. Favorite animal in what sense? Like, if you were to hear that an animal is on the loose, wh- what kind of animal would give you the most giggles? The most giggles. I mean, so monkey. Like, you're, is, yeah. You're you're looking for funniest animal. Oh yeah. What's the funniest animal? That's a great question. Let's just get right to the right to the source. What's the funniest animal? Well,
3: I'm trying to picture a starfish on the loose. okay but i'm not
0: quite sure how that happens yeah or if anyone would care right oh i think it breathes to death
2: does it have to be a headline grabber i mean have you ever like seriously looked at a hippo because yeah they're terrifying i've i've seen a hippo in real life oh how did it (laughs) how did it get to be that it's
0: a good question how did it get to what to be that
2: it's like a dangerous swimming
0: rhino uh you can but i guess the better question is how do we survive while it exists well, why doesn't it just take us all out? You can learn is, more. Aren't they
3: omnivores? You can potentially learn more about it. Uh, you can for uh, for a cool seven hundred and fifty dollars, you can zoom with Jesus. Fiona the hippo. You don't say. <laughs> oh, so, where did you find that? It's in Cincinnati. Uh, uh, the Cincinnati Zoo is offering. Mm. You can you know, pay a few hundred dollars, and an animal will join your Zoom meeting. Wow. Uh, Fiona is seven hundred and fifty. The other animals are between two and three hundred.
0: They must be really strapped for cash. Fiona is the Cincinnati Zoo's
2: fucking huge prize. <laughs> Who are you fucking with? A huge prize? The the hippo.
0: Uh, anyway, I think we can go on to Wikipedia page. Oh man, that's like my dream.
2: All right, so <laughs> Rafey, what is the Wikipedia right. page for this? Week? Oh, I'm familiar with this.
1: This Wikipedia page is called the London Beer Flood, which sounds like my personal heaven.
3: I like Rafi, that we've kind of we we balanced this out. I think. I yeah, think we, we've <laughs> definitely
1: gone through my emotional roller coaster. We've gone through my worst nightmare and my personal heaven. My worst nightmare being rats that are getting stronger and faster and more dangerous, and now beer literally running through the streets.
2: And this was heaven for a family of five Irishmen. Go on. Just five. <laughs> okay, so the London beer flood was an accident at the Mo and Co. Horseshoe Brewery, London, on the seventeenth of October,
0: eighteen fourteen. Um It took place when one of the 20 22- horseshoe brewery, they weren't using the horseshoes in any way in making the beer. Right. Let's I just want to get that out of it the way. It gives it an irony taste. Oh, good. Um So it took
2: place when one of the 22 foot tall wooden vats of fermenting porter burst, um spilling hundreds of gallons of beer and killing eight people, um, five of whom were mourners at the wake being held for an uh, by an Irish family of a two year old boy. <laughs> what was that what was that little
1: giggle? That's not funny. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> that was that was definitely a giggle. Ignore Cause, me.
2: Because those five Irishmen died happy.
3: <laughs> Fair enough.
2: Oh, uh, well, I haven't
3: visited the site of this brewery. I think Lowell has.
0: What? Why? Why do you think I've been here? Did he- why would I have because been here? Because didn't you go to see We Will Rock You when you went to London? <laughs> no, I did
3: not. I did not see We Will Rock I You in London. Sworn, I don't know why I would could have. could have sworn you did. The Queen <laughs> musical. The site, the, the, the theater that... I someone housed, we were with did. Yeah, uh, the theater that that was at in 2012 is
0: where the Horseshoe Brewery used to be. I wonder if it still smells like beer, beer in the boards there. It... That sounds like the name of a band, Beer and the Boards. Yeah, it probably doesn't. I'm I'm sure that the boards weren't there when the beer was, but, you know, it would be pretty awesome. That's a similar
2: question to someone in my fifth grade history class asked, which was, if you took a drink from Boston Harbor, could you still taste tea? (laughs) (laughs) And that was the closest I've ever seen a kid to getting kicked out of class without actually being kicked out of class.
3: Uh, Lowell, do you have an answer for that question?
0: For which question?
2: If you drank the water from it, Boston oh, Harbor, would it, it still, still taste tastes like tea?
0: tea? No. It didn't taste like tea then. Like, there's a lot of water in the ocean. It tasted like salt. That's a... Th- what the fuck are we talking about?
2: That wasn't the Boston Massacre. It was the Boston Tea Massacre. The Boston no.
0: Tea Party. Tea Party. The,
2: okay. <laughs> So the neighborhood that the London beer flood took place in was the St. Giles Rookery, which was described in 1852 piece as, quote, a rendezvous of the scum of society. That mm. kind of people. It's another a good per- band name. <laughs> a perpetually decaying slum, seizing- seemingly always on the verge of social and economic collapse, which probably didn't help the survival rate of the beer flood hmm. Was there like lasting damage to this thing there? So there's sort of debate on that because there it was reported that hundreds of people gathered to collect the beer, causing mass drunkenness and at least one death by alcohol poisoning. <laughs> Love it. it. That is likely fabricated. Damn it. That's because newspapers of the time made no reference to it. Mm-hmm. hmm. The press of the time did not like the immigrant Irish population that lived there. They don't like them now. um, If there had been any misbehavior that would have been reported at the time, so those stories of drunkenness in the wake of the London beer flood probably were invented sort of as a a propaganda.
0: Hmm. Okay.
2: The aftermath was described as a scene of desolation that presents a most awful and terrific appearance equal to that which fire or earthquake may be
0: supposed to occasion. mm Mm-hmm. So we we haven't yet talked about what caused it, and according to this section, the storehouse clerk, George Crick, saw that iron bands around one of the vats had slipped, and the 22-foot tall vessel was filled to within four inches of the top, weighing approximately 32 long tons. As bands slipped off the vats two or three times a year, Crick was unconcerned. And he told his supervisor about the problem, but was told that no harm, what whatever would ensue, which clearly when a band falls off of your barrel, you should probably do something
2: about it. This was 1814. So like any kind of regulation of anything anything in a workplace was non-existent. There's a very interesting piece, at the very bottom of
3: this article that talks about what the coroner said about the deaths in terms of and in terms of the company's responsibility.
2: You familiar so, with this sentence here, Aiden? <laughs> yeah, the coroner's inquest reached a verdict of an act of God. <laughs> 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 That's fantastic. Again, it was 1814. Very like good. I, I believe this was still when laudanum was a popular medical remedy.
3: The Spanish Inquisition <laughs> was still 14 years away from ending.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Mm, very good. Now, now that we've dated this. Uh, Queen Victoria was two years away from being born. The jury returned a verdict that the eight had lost their lives casually, accidentally, and by misfortune, which is all accurate. Which, uh, (laughs) I
2: mean, whether or not it is misfortune really does come down to the question of if it would be unfortunate to drown in beer. Eh,
0: I think it would be unfortunate to drown, but that's me. Do you have
2: a do you have a opposing
1: argument to this? If I had my choice of liquid to drown in, beer would be near the <laughs> top of the list.
3: I feel, okay. like a, I feel like a porter is a good one to drown in, too. It's fairly heavy and satisfying.
1: I haven't yeah, had a porter I'd, in a while. I'd, I feel like I'd like to die in an IPA.
3: I don't know. Too hoppy <laughs> for me. Too much bitterness. You know, you really want to go out for. I would of, go... I feel, I feel like you want to go out nice and... Uh, I, I, I want to go out comfort. I'd go out in a nice milk stout. Would,
1: David, would you go out in a goza? Don't they say that drowning is the most painful way to die?
0: Yes. And yeah. Uh-huh. So I, I would assume it's I, up let's, there. You know,
1: I would say I want to be drinking like a nine point seven ABV when that happens.
0: Yeah, at least.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, I want to be blackout on beer if that was my if choice. If you're
0: drowning in whiskey, you won't know if it's the drowning or the alcohol poisoning that put that killed you. I don't like. I don't. I don't want to just open my mouth to whiskey though.
3: And you know what, actually, uh, Rafi, a... now that you mentioned that, too, uh, beer, at, especially at this time, was at a much lower ABV. This was probably like water. Yeah, I mean, they're like, the stuff they're drowning in is likely 3 to 4%. I think you're being generous. Oh, no. Here, I mean, imperial porters didn't come around until the end of the 1800s when Britain started selling beer to uh, Russia. So, yeah, no, they're, 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 they're drowning them basically, uh, you know, that, that's essentially yingling right there. That's unfortunate.
1: I think you're being mean to I think you're being mean to Yingling, look, and I, I think it's more like Natty Light.
3: No. Oh look, <laughs> look, I've got I've got I've got no I've got no beef with Yingling, personally. But Natty Light, that's that's a fate worse than death. That or the Pepsi fruit juice. I clearly sucked.
1: do not remember
3: what we drank in college. Oh, I remember, and it was a fate worse than death. <laughs> 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 uh, Aiden, did you want to mention anything in the see also section? Oh, well, just okay. every single <laughs> link there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just every single
3: link. This is maybe my favorite see also the, link uh, on any of these Wikipedia Yeah, the Vegas. great
2: molasses flood, the the Pepsi fruit juice flood, the Honolulu, the Honolulu molasses
0: I, spill. I didn't know there were two molasses, famous molasses <laughs> spills, but... Would that be molasses mol- mol- molass- Molasses? Whoa! Molasses. Um, um,
3: uh,
2: when do you think the Honolulu molasses spill was? christ well i i know the
0: answer to that question it was september 2013 that's very recent how I did we not feel like i would have heard about how that how did
3: we not know about this
0: no
2: idea well because the honolulu molasses spill wasn't fatal except for as the wikipedia uh, page says well, all good. sea life in the area
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, No. Oh no. <laughs> that's cheerful oh no um The Pepsi fruit juice flood was a flood of 176,000 barrels, which is 28 million liters or 7.4 million gallons of fruit and vegetable juices into the streets of Lebedia, Lebedian, Russia, and the Don River caused by the collapse of a PepsiCo warehouse. Yikes. That had to be sticky. All these seem sticky. I believe it's Lebedian. You know, to each their own.
2: And then, of course, there's the Great Molasses Flood, but, which is recent enough that it has a yeah. photograph.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for bringing us this, uh, this heavenly uh, idea for Rafi, uh, as opposed to our, our previous... Very sorry about that, Rafi. <laughs> you are forgiven but we will we'll wrap it up here. We want to thank you so much for listening and we want to leave you with one last headline. I'm going to have Aiden read this one. Okay, here we go. Oh, Christ.
2: As we know, my internet's being slow today.
0: I guess everyone else just has to stick with this <laughs> on their screen
2: while we wait for you. I'm, I'm not looking at the URL, which has loaded.
1: I'll take this opportunity to say thank you very much for having me.
0: A pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you for joining. We're very, very glad to have you. Sorry that we uh, we terrified you for a little bit.
2: And I'm also mm-hmm. very
0: sorry for this final
2: headline. All right. <laughs> a whale blasted an ungodly amount of ass ham all over some divers. <laughs> <laughs> this is... I, a coworker of mine showed me this article like three years ago, and this you you have to read the whole article because it's just it's it's very well written
1: <laughs> well we'll have to post it can i say one thing really quickly can yes we, the related articles on the right hand side are i have cerebral palsy this is how i have sex <laughs> my oh cancer my. treatment has made erections difficult this is how i have sex and finally <laughs> we're in our 70s and this is what our sex life is like
3: it's nothing like vice.com I
0: would have completely missed that oh my god that's so good why are those right. the three
3: articles the three
1: related articles on the topic of a whale blasted an ungodly amount of ass ham all over some divers I
3: think if you have also, to ask you don't,
2: you if you scroll it. down <laughs> to the bottom of the page there's eight of those articles in total <laughs> Oh God. I have a bag instead of a all rectum. Right. This is how it affects my no. sex life. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> we're we're both blind. This is how it affects <laughs> <laughs> our sex life.
3: Oh my! God. my if you wait, wait, wait. Right. If you just keep scrolling, those articles open.
2: <laughs> okay. It oh no.
0: Fun. This has been great. Oh. All right. Well, thank thank you very much for joining us, Rafi. Thank you to everyone thank who's been listening. Me. And with that, I've been Lowell. I'm
2: David. And I'm
0: Aiden.
1: Do I say my name or?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, I'm Rafi. Thanks for, thanks for having me, guys.
0: And have a great week. That's the news and I'm out of here. Dennis Miller.